This is Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. This podcast is made in collaboration with the Jewish Journal. Check them out at jewishjournal.com. Also in collaboration with Arutz Sheva, israelnationalnews.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit 2njb.com slash donate. We could all use... Sorry? Ah. We could all use a good laugh. Especially now, while many of us are secluded in our homes, far away from our loved ones, with nothing better to do but watch Too Hot to Handle on Netflix. True story. Don't watch it unless you want to feel a strong, deep, unshakable sense of shame. If only there was an Israeli, English-speaking comedian who would agree to risk her life and come to our studio to boost the national morale and give hope to our listeners around the world. How amazing would that be? Wow. Well, unfortunately, we couldn't find anyone like that. So that's all for today, guys. Thanks. Stay safe and tune in next week. Goodbye. No, we're kidding. We have the perfect comedian for the job right here with us. Her name is Candy Abelson. She's American. She made Aliyah. She's Canadian. She's Canadian. And American. And Israeli. And Israeli. All the good stuff. Every blue passport I got. (laughs) Nice. And she's a superstar in the local comedy clubs doing stand-up in Hebrew. At least she was when going out and comedy clubs still existed. We're delighted to have Candy on the show with us today. And a quick disclaimer, this episode might contain profanity. I hope it does. Otherwise, I'm not here for anything, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm good. Listen, uh, you know, one of the advantages of being old is dying doesn't scare me. (laughs) I don't want to. It was going to happen. It was going to happen. You know, I'm in that like uh, danger zone anyway. But I don't want to die from Corona because I don't want my funeral on Zoom. (laughs) <laughs> that would be so, unfortunate i actually went yeah. to a funeral on zoom really i did i went to my first funeral on zoom and uh i gotta say it was like the first time ever that i found the grave so <laughs> that was good you know usually you're wandering around yeah, yeah. and you can't also find i can it. put it on silent when the rabbi talks and well they put you on silent so it's kind of like an israeli wedding where you know you can get a beer and go sit on the side you don't have to watch the chuppah yeah actually a wedding if you get an zone. urge to laugh you i can sat just... down with a coffee and a joint and uh, toasted my friend it was really? pretty cool yeah. wow and it was so in they... la so usually i wouldn't be able to go right i'm here i can't go to a funeral in la but i went I wonder if it's going to be like standard now to have Zoom at all events. I think it is because it feeds to the lazy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can do so much more if you just do yeah. it from your bedroom without pants. Yeah. Now, now there's dating on Zoom. Like you can't go on first date, so you do the first dates on Zoom. Wow, very economical. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, true. I didn't what do you even have think to get her? Like, oh, what anything. wine do you want? Well, pour it yourself, bitch. <laughs> I would, <laughs> I would buy the bottle, but you know, I can't. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's actually yeah, it saves a lot of time. You don't need to put perfume on. Wear your per- perfume, and yeah, I'm not talking from experience, of course. Yeah, of course. It's yeah, amazing of course that not. everyone can be on camera today and it doesn't phase them. Mm-hmm. You know, in my time, going on camera was a big deal. You didn't get on camera until you got to Charlie Carson. You know, now you're like <laughs> two years old. You're a TV star. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have a million views. It doesn't phase she anybody. You can't speak yet. Yeah. <laughs> have you heard of the kid that does uh, Bar Mitzvah? What's his name? He went viral here in Israel. 
yeah, thirteen-year-old year old kid want to be a young going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, and he just made tons of money. Like he started on TikTok or something. And he's like a like a redneck or I don't know how you would call him. And mm. he yeah he gives uh what blessings. does he do? He does like uh, it's hard to explain. He the, sings. He sings. He just talks like in the the slang, the neighborhood slang. Really. And yeah, he made so much money from and it. And look at us here. Yeah. <laughs> ah, you know, as young as you Still. are, there's a kid right there <laughs> ready yeah. to out you, you know, because yeah. they know so much more. It's a whole other world. It's I mean, true. Maybe I should switch out an or for like a 13 year old. Yeah. <laughs> or just add, make it three Jewish guys. You can yeah. probably find yeah. the third, you know. No, no, little... no. I think the, the point of it is to get rid of him. Not oh, really. okay. Well, I don't yeah. know you well enough. <laughs> I look forward to it because I love annoying people. Oh, it, really? How does it, yeah, I do. I mean, she'll get along with you then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I like living in Israel, really. Yeah, because everyone's annoying here, huh? Well, it's not like, let's say this everywhere in the world, if you get up in a bad mood, you have to pretend you're in a good mood. Mm-hmm. But not here, right? Because yeah. you get up in a bad mood, you can go to the doctor's office, you can go to the supermarket, you can go anywhere and find someone to fight. Yeah. Here, if you get up in a good mood, you have to pretend like you're in a bad mood. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. like the other good way around. Point. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. So tell us, how did you get like, okay, so you, when did you move here from Canada? I moved, I moved from Canada to the U.S. Okay. My first year in stand, I started stand up late. Like okay. I was 35, I think. And uh, it takes a lot of balls to do stand up. Yeah, and I have big late. balls. That's why I can't yeah. wear a skirt. So. I was going to ask. I'm, you know, I'm, I just, what happened, I had a big business in Europe. Okay. And everyone said, you're really funny. You should do stand up. And I'm like, what's stand up? Just go back to work. And then <laughs> I lost my business, and 600 people lost their employment. And oh, I wow. was pissed. And I said, okay, next time they take my job, they can kill me. Everyone says, I'm funny. Let's see if I am. And I had no interest in getting up on stage and telling jokes. I mean, I love writing jokes. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. And you want to write the perfect joke, but I'm so... I have terrible stage fright till today. Like 32 years later, I can still throw up before a big gig. Wow. Imagine that. Just not on my carpet. Yeah. No, no, never. <laughs> I'm is, well trained. <laughs> this isn't a big gig. This is, this is a tiny gig. Yeah. Um, so wait, so you... What was the business, can I ask? Yeah, I sold vacuum cleaners, American vacuum cleaners in Europe. And you employed and, 600 people? Well, yeah, in three countries because it, uh, nobody did that in those days. So if you went in their house, they were totally relaxed. And you could show them this fabulous machine, and it was good, and then you never left so, without it. So it was door-to-door so, salesmen? Yeah, except we oh, made wow. appointments. We'd say, oh, we have someone. Can we send them to you? And they'd say, sure. And so you sent, I guess that was my first stand-up because I used to demo the thing in, like, Flemish, even though I didn't speak Flemish when I lived <laughs> in Belgium. And I'd be like, stop, Zagger. That's the word for dust. And, uh, stop, Zagger, stop, Zagger. You know how to say dust in so many languages, I bet. Yeah. Well, actually, that's it. But uh, <laughs> uh, sign language is pretty good, too. Your, fle- and, your Flemish is a bit dusty. Zoom language. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, we opened offices because in Europe, it's very hard for kids to get employment. Everything is based on like your life and not your education or not you. It's like who you are. They're still in the caste system, the exact opposite of Israel. Where you can have any idea and do it, there you have blocks. And the talented kids had nowhere to go to work. So we just were able to engage people that were fantastic, train them, and they just 
sold like crazy because they were making a lot of money. And then we became so big that they changed the rules on us. And I was pissed. And I said, okay. That's amazing. You know, I'm, and I realized the big realization was that you never own anything. Because you know, the government always... Not necessarily the government. Big business, the city, mm. the country, whatever. I mean, you know, my grandfather owned shit in Germany. A lot of help it is to him when he ran away from the Nazis. He left so there's the glass ce ceiling. It's not. It's just a reality that owning is an elusive thing because it has to exist in order for you to own it. So as soon as it's taken mm -hmm. away from you... And you're, you're always looking here. You're never looking to the other side where that's where the shit's happening. Mm -hmm. People are always worried about one specific thing. And they're like, oh, I hope this doesn't happen. And, and in the meantime, doink, like this, corona. Yeah. I mean, people were worried, oh, I didn't get a raise. And now they're like, where's my fucking business? You know, <laughs> I don't yeah. care about a raise. I just need a place to go. They so. say that you need that the best comedy comes from great pain. So I wonder if, if it's true, and if so, so you have to be to have to be painful to be a good comedian. Well, they say you know an unhappy childhood helps and stuff, but yeah. Uh, so a Jewish uh, childhood. You know, is... in, in fact, I have two very optimistic parents, and so I'm not the norm. Like my parents are so optimistic, you'd never guess we were Jewish. Like <laughs> there was no bad news in our house. Like. There's nothing you can Sounds say to terrible. my mother that would upset her. You know, if I said, Mom, you know, there was a bomb and it blew up half my face. And she'd say, oh, that's terrible, dear. But, you know, I was shopping in Marshalls and I saw half a face. <laughs> I'll buy it for you. You'll have new material. It'll be wonderful. Is the sun shining where you are? You know, so um, in that way, I come from a really. But also, all we did was laugh over the dinner table. My father thought it was really important, and I picked that up. And then, ultimately, losing the business and then having an abortion were the two things that thrust me into comedy. So, yeah, so I'd say that was pain, you know. Yeah. yeah. And then it took me like 20 years to be able to write the joke that put me into comedy. It's an abortion that's, joke? Yeah, and that's it's not easy to write an abortion joke, and it's not easy to do an abortion joke. So it took me 20 years like in abortion. the business. Nothing like abortion. Yeah, not, well, no, it's way too easy to do an abortion. Oh. Like, you know, and the word even makes it easy. You have no idea what it is. Like killing your kid, you might feel affected. Oh, shit, okay. So, yeah. I, I want to hear the joke now, because <laughs> oh, now... I have many, but... Um, you know, today, because it's now like 35 years. Um, but in fact, I mean, uh, the, um, you know, I say, honestly, you know, I, I had an abortion to be had, but uh, the truth is I, I would have killed the kid anyway. <laughs> you know, I'd be a terrible mother. I mean, I can take care of nothing. And, you know, I really hope I wouldn't be the kind of mother that would leave my kid in the back of the car. But For sure, I would leave him on the top of the car with my coffee <laughs> and then get to the corner and go, oh, God, I forgot my coffee. <laughs> so bad. So that's just a little taste oh. of it. So, okay, so then can you tell us about kind of like how you first got into it, your first gig? Did you throw up on stage? Yeah, no, I never, ever have thrown up on stage. Only, like I said, I'm well-trained, only in the bathrooms or outside in a corner. But... Um, I didn't have the guts to actually do stand-up. So I came back to Montreal, actually, and I went into my parents' home after I lost my business, and I 
got three jobs, and I returned all the money, and I did not go bankrupt, which I was very proud of. And then as soon as it was over, um, I became someone's partner in opening the first club in Montreal. He needed a partner, and it was perfect. Called the Comedy Nest. It's still there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just brought people in and took care of the shows, and it was really fun, and I watched comics, and I wrote for them, and I helped them, and I photographed them, and I mothered them first. And then I was like, where are the women? And my partner brought in a female headliner for my birthday as a gift for me, Adrian Tolch from New York. And it was unbelievable. It was like someone finally opened the girls' locker room. You know how the guys are always in their locker room talking about their jog straps and their dicks. And, you know, what about the women? Not like, women are like this, and women and dates, but actually saying things. And she would stay at my house, and I was like, so the next morning we're smoking it. She taught me to smoke in the morning. <laughs> and she it's could have an been, art. Yeah, she could have been a corona person because she rolled me a joint and said, personal, personal. And then I said, I really want to write for you. And she said, I don't need anyone to write for me. If you want to write, you better write for yourself. That's the only thing to do. I'm like, oh, I don't want to perform. She goes, no, then too fucking bad. <laughs> Take it like a man. So I was like, okay. And so I just... What I did, because I owned the club, it was great. Um, I actually had been asked to produce the first Just for Laughs comedy festival because Jim Carrey came to perform in our club. And the scout came to look for someone, and he saw Jim Carrey in our club. He was pretty impressed. So we got the gig producing the first English shows. And in the editing room, the guys threw out one of the women comics because they didn't like how her arms looked. And I was in shock. You know, she had a sleeveless top on. It's true, her arms didn't look very good. But there were <laughs> lots of fat guys in the show who looked terrible. And nobody was saying anything. And she wasn't even fat. So I said, you know, at least if I had that gig, I would know to wear sleeves. I am not sitting in the editing room with men anymore. I'm going to go out there and just fucking do it, even if it kills me. So I told my partner I'm resigning. I said, six weeks from now, I'm doing my first set in English. I mean, obviously it was in English. I didn't even think about doing other languages at that point. And I just wrote 10 minutes. And, uh, wow, went out. And I said, I'm going to have fun. At that club? Yeah, at that club. Because, yeah, I was still the boss. I could actually write myself in. I didn't have the call and say, oh, do you mind putting me on? And in, in our club, we had a very nice thing that we did with amateurs. We didn't put them on on an amateur night. We had a host, and then we would put them up first. Mm. And we would say, we always have a guy who's new, and we encourage him. So he was part of a real show, not that adversarial thing that sometimes happens in amateur night. So I had that warm welcome, it happened, and I got four applause breaks my first time on stage. My jokes were good, like I could write, but I stared at the ground completely, like just looked down, didn't stop when the laughs came, I just kept talking, I had no idea what timing was, what, even though I'd been watching comedy, and then, of course, his second show wasn't as good, and the third show was even worse, because he'd just become like a nervous parrot, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, I had promise. I started making money very quickly after, I worked very hard, and I, and I, and the thing is, I gave up my job to do it, because I realized all the old people I know that had a safe job, they weren't very good comics. But the kids that went for broke, 
like Dave Chappelle, you know, they were 16, 17, Chris Rock, they didn't give a shit. They weren't worried about how am I going to make a living. They became great comics. I said, I'm not young, but I can act like I'm young and just be fearless. I can make stupid decisions. And and, and you have nothing to lose when you're older. If you don't have kids, you don't have to make decisions for your kids. It keeps you honest. Do things for yourself. If you're not happy, change it. Mm -hmm. And so I never you never had kids? No, I never had kids. I just figured that I probably wouldn't be a good mother, you know. <laughs> I, I boarded a kid for bad timing, so <laughs> what does that say about and, me? And, and um, yeah. <laughs> Those so, good things, for that, sure. That I'm timing so means happy everything. I don't have kids. You know, people say, oh, you should have kids because they're going to take care of you when you're old. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, how's that working for you folks? <laughs> Now, in this present yeah. time we're living yeah. in. Yeah. Well, then it was worth it, I guess. Corona was worth it just so that you can make a point. Yeah. No, well, <laughs> Corona is crazy, isn't it? I mean, it yeah. nothing in my life has ever happened that happened worldwide to rich and poor. Yeah. And But Aitan here just visited his parents. Good. Yeah. Now's the time. I mean, we haven't had a case in Tel Aviv in a few, you know, in a while. But they live so. in a settlement. Yeah, but he went in and he went out. It's okay. You have to take a chance a bit. He's young. They're not that old. But he violated the rules. Well, why are you telling people? You want to get rid of him, obviously, <laughs> he's, also. He's It's a, like the... He's always been a snitch. John Tattletale. Yeah. Actually, you know, it, like last week or in the beginning of the curfew, um, you see there's a school here mm-hmm. and there's a football uh, f- uh, soccer field here. Uh-huh. And I, you see, I can uh, uh, observe from mm-hmm. above, like scout. And each time some younglings uh, played soccer and broke curfew, I would call the police and snitch on them. Oh, of okay. course, because it's These fun. These are the things you should keep to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, we're all close at home and they play soccer and, and violate the rules. That's not fair. And yeah. at a certain point, the, poli- the police officer was, was start- started to, like on the phone, started to diss me. Yeah. Um, I'm with really. him. I gotta yeah. say, I'm with <laughs> yeah, him. Well, bit, yeah, this is why you'll never be good citizens, and I am. <laughs> But I'm a good soccer player. <laughs> I would go out and well. play with them because soccer, you're social distancing. Uh, with uh, the ball, the ball. Oh, the ball, right? Yeah, the ball, ball is the germs. See, I'm such an optimist. I never think of the bad <laughs> side. Like, oh yeah, right. Okay, that could happen. But yeah, I guess these are crazy times. Um, so wait, I gotta ask as a comedian. Yeah. So is it? Is it like? wishful thinking to think that you'll ever get on stage as a as a starting comedian and just have like a, a wonderful experience like are you gonna no, I had are you a... gonna shit bricks that like no matter what is it gonna be scary as um no i mean my first time i wasn't nervous because i said it doesn't matter i knew enough to know that if you're gonna do stand-up you have to commit for a year Because one performance doesn't mean anything. Everyone's going to have good and bad, and you never know when the good ones are going to come and the bad ones. Get the first one over with. Get the second. Just keep going. Have a commitment to keep going. And I had that commitment before I ever went on stage. So I went on stage the first time without any ner- I mean, I was really nervous, but I wasn't, in some ways, the nerves I have now. So, um, Yeah, I got four applause breaks. They never stopped laughing. Nobody knew that. I mean, although they said it was my first time, nobody believed it was my first time. And the first time I did it in French, also it was so good that they took me to the comedy festival in French. And 
you know, I, I couldn't even believe that it was so good because that one, I mean, I had, I, I had gotten to the club and I had asked for a Coca-Cola at the bar and they didn't understand. And I'm about to perform to 400 French people and the guy at the bar didn't understand Coca-Cola from me. <laughs> Oh, At shit. which point I like ran to the bathroom and heaved. And when I came out, there, there had been a host and I thought he was going to do 10 minutes. But no, he went on stage and did like 30 seconds and brought me on. So I was like wiping my mouth off and going on stage. And I never thought, you know, that I was going to succeed. But they love me because I'm very outspoken, right? Like I, There's no limits to what I'll say. And in French, people are very overly polite and ridiculous and not real so i was so real and i but they're quebecers they understand real you know they they have my same background but because they're french they have like jerry lewis comedians canada is such a weird country why <laughs> i like it i'll defend it two, two languages <laughs> like two like yeah. divided by language i guess for some weird reason swearing oath to some old lady in the other side of the ocean Right, that's because we're too lazy to do things ourselves. Right, that, that's, yeah. that's... Because it's not creative to run a country. It's not a creative job. People in Canada like to do things that are more fun. And right. So they like to... Like in Quebec, I mean, you don't have a lot of big business. You have a lot of small business. People don't want more than 10 employees. It's too much work. Let's just get something good. Like they're good in animation or small things with film. Mm-hmm. but not the really big. They have no aspirations to be billionaires or millionaires. They're like, just give me a job, a good house. Let me go skiing. Or it's not a very innovative country. It's not a very innovative country. What do they have to innovate? They have the forest. They have water. Yeah. What's to innovate? Here we have to innovate because <laughs> we have no water. We live in a fucking desert with enemies all around. All we can do is innovate to stay alive. Yeah. But in Canada, it's just like, hey, let's try and preserve what we have. It's so great, and we'll be very polite. Like, it's too bad Corona wasn't, like, coming from Canada, right? <laughs> like a really polite virus. Excuse me, can I infect you? No, <laughs> fuck off. All right. Sorry to have Stay bothered you. It's a dictator's you. Yeah, uh, yeah, it came virus. from China, which is, you know, not the best. And now we're getting trying to get solutions from China, which is right. ridiculous. Can't we learn anything I here? I mean, we can always inject some... Uh, how, how did he say it? Inject some... Oh, uh, disinfectant. Disinfectant. Right. Yeah, some, uh, uh, some Clorox. <laughs> yeah, well, we all know how intelligent he is, although he must be much more intelligent. I mean, I'm still in shock that he got in. I never thought it would happen. And I'm so happy I live here. I would not want to be in coronavirus in the States and have that as my leader because say what you want about Trump, I mean, he makes BB look good. I think he's just fumbling because he's so... I think he's realizing that he's losing it. Like he's... you know what Honestly, I, mean? it's I like don't a, care about it's him. Like a it's like a championship. Like I don't even want to give him 20 seconds of However, time. I saw today a photo that someone uh, put on Twitter of the paycheck he got with Trump's signature on it, uh, like a $3,500 check. Ooh. Like, all the citizens are getting ah, cash okay. to yeah, their yeah. accounts. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, if you have kids. N- um, I'm not, not sure. Not all of them. A lot of my friends aren't. And if you're married oh, whoa, to whoa, 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 whoa. a... Well, oh, I just moved it. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Right, hey, it's guys, it's a party now. I spilled beer. Yeah, <laughs> So oh, can okay. you can you let us in on some of the secrets of the trade? Like, um, 
We're like, how do, how exactly do you go about writing a joke? How do you go about what I always wondered is, you know, there was the classic like image of a comedian with the index cards on a stage and right. He's looking through his jokes. How the hell does, I don't know, Louis CK or these big people who go on for uh, an hour and a half, sometimes two hours. Yeah, I don't I know do, if you've I been, do an hour 40 in an Hebrew. Hour, so how do you remember all that? It's not that, easy, but you never do it in a hole. It's always little bits. And your bits go into other bits. Is it is, write, is a lot of it improv? Uh, no. It's all scripted no, word No, it's word? not all scripted, but uh, um, different people have different Styles. amounts of improv, but most of it is scripted. And then in the middle, you go into different improvs. But even after so many years on stage, even when you improvise, you usually come to me with an answer I've heard before. Even if I haven't heard in 20 years, the line will pop. If I had a good one 20 years ago on the question you asked me, it'll pop back in and I'll be like, yeah, look how funny I look. My memory's <laughs> actually good. So it's a challenge. Every, you know, people walk all the time. They walk Even on stage with joints. notes in their hands. Yeah, I think I've trained my memory to support the joints, you know, and Alzheimer's won't be scary to me. But, um, I wrote a joke about blanking out before I ever got on stage because that was my biggest fear was that I was going to actually two things, getting a heckle yeah. and then, um, of course, just not knowing where to go. And um, and it happened to me on, on a TV show and just for laughs that I, I was killing. It was in French and I was 3,200 people in the room and television and, you know, uh, what do you call balconies, like three balconies my first time on such a big stage. And about, I was fine for like five minutes and then I just all of a sudden heard the laughter and I just like completely forgot where I was, you know, not in my act. And you just breathe like you're doing anything else, right? And I said, wow, it's so amazing to be here. And by the time I finished those six words, I had a direction again. And so... Just rarely do you completely panic. But the best thing, you know, comedy is about honesty. Mm -hmm. And so you do your best to remember. And when you don't remember, you say, you fucked up. You forgot. Big deal. You pull out notes. Today, kids get on. I don't like having notes because I feel like when I'm on stage, I have to make you laugh. If I have to look, that's taking time away from you. If I don't remember the joke, do a different joke. Make up a joke. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Go somewhere else. Like to me, I'd much rather give you a live performance in the days when I had people there to give live performances to. Then I always feel like you are. Uh, but on nights where you're going out only to try new jokes, if it's for TV or something, then fine, take a list because you need to do them for TV to see if they're working. Mm -hmm. And you just tell the audience that I got these TV jokes. Please don't laugh if they're not funny mm -hmm. because I don't want to do it again. You know, as painful as it is not to get laughter on something that you wrote, it's even way more painful if they laugh the first time somehow and then don't laugh again. Mm. And I, I actually, I mean, my trick is when I do a new joke is I actually make my performance worse, which is difficult because I'm not the best performer to start with. But I, I want to know if the joke is actually good. I don't want to know if I can deliver it because... After all these years in three languages, I shouldn't be able to deliver a joke. What makes a joke good? Um, to me, it's still a great punchline. Okay? okay. Universality, if you can have it. Um, timing? Timing is just in the delivery. I mean, I love my jokes because if I wrote them down and you looked at them in the bathroom, it should still make you laugh. Uh-huh. 
you shouldn't actually need me. Okay. I mean, my voice should help, but you should get my yeah. voice anyway. <laughs> so I actually, one of the things that the, I love... Don't them, forget the accent. Also. But I don't have an accent in English. And I'm, no, but it, there's, isn't there something Jewish in your, in your English accent? Or is it just me? I don't know. Montreal Jews maybe sound like Jews. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, You're just racist. No, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, yeah, well. Well, let's ask the listeners. Yeah, um, guys, because if you, you think can't talk Candy about has yourself, but. Jewish accent, then send her a mail, a hate mail, and <laughs> I think a good premise is important when writing jokes. Okay. You know, like I try to write jokes about things that I want to talk about, and not, you know, something's been talked about a million times. I don't really want to talk about it. Like marriage. Well, yeah, I have a few, like, I mean, I'm married 19 years yesterday. Oh, and I do most of my sets without telling anyone I'm married. You know, if mm. I only have 10, 15, 20 minutes on stage, I don't even say I'm married. Right. Like, what's the point? You lose half your audience. And the, and the Abortion, on the other hand. Yeah, well, then I'm doing a public service announcement because <laughs> people don't talk about it enough. You know, they stick it actually on the bus, right? Like, uh, abortion isn't fun oh really i was going luna park or abortion <laughs> that's what i was luna park is amusement park for anyone in america that doesn't know you know that's what i was wondering um but i think yeah strong premise is uh, so i say that i'm so happily married i think i'm single and it's true i do and that's only because i'm married to a guy that bakes chocolate cakes and that's the mm. only reason i'm married like i didn't i literally told my husband all right i'll marry you today if i don't need makeup or a dress um, because he Aitan wanted to identify, get married. I think because well, Sharon, my fiance, just started baking. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if I was having doubts about the decision before, now I'm completely uh, all in. He's I'm all this in. guy. Like sure. every time he bakes, I remember why I married him. Yeah, you know, I just get so excited. I mean, does he upgrade the <clears throat> cake sometimes? Well, he uh, when we went to China, he did. He gave, you mean like pot brownies? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's be specific. Yeah. Pot mint brownies he made for our trip to Sinai. Okay. And he doesn't smoke, by the way. He's and then the ISIS most... got you. That was. When we came back, it was quite funny because we came back just a minute before, and uh, the guy said to me, Have you been in China? But in Hebrew, it's seen. And I had just come back from Sinai, which is Sinai. <laughs> and it's outside, it's loud, and. Uh, so he says, and have you high. been to scene? Uh, uh, of course I'm high. <laughs> I do everything high. It's not an excuse for me. So um, I, uh, I said, yeah, of course. I just spent two weeks in scene. He goes, not in Sinai. And he goes, not Sinai, scene. I'm like, no, I've never been to scene. Why are you asking me that? No, I haven't been to China. I have no desire to go to China. Why are we talking about this? And then, yeah, a week later... Corona. I did my last show, you know, and I didn't know it was my last show. I did jokes about it right away. Mm -hmm. That's what you do. I came out. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm the oldest person in the street. But, you know, I'm like, oh, everybody only wants to know, can we have sex? Can we have sex and be dude in quarantine? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> but only doggy style. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my public service announcement that night. The uh, guidelines of the health ministry is right, only, like, only doggy style. I didn't buy, you know, in the States, so everyone bought toilet paper. And uh, that was the most ridiculous thing. I mean, if it's the end of the world, I'll use a sock. What do I care? You know, really. <laughs> it's, I went out and bought some nice drugs, like some hallucinogenics, because you have time. 
mm-hmm. and because uh, I like to take a good trip. <laughs> so I had acid, and um, you know, then you go in the streets and you're Did like you dancing with your spirit guides. Trip out of of it, or are you still high? You know, I love that amount of acid. It takes so long to come down. You know, it's just you usually don't have time, and it's really value, like in terms yeah. of drug value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. You Guys, if you, you haven't done acid, have you done acid? Yeah, once. Yeah, good. And you? Nope. Nope. So I got to say, I feel bad for you because you think that Instagram is colorful. And <laughs> it really is. Nathan, you concur with all that? Yeah, I also find that you don't have, like, I mean, I don't know. I did it once, but right. it, it wasn't a bad trip. It was. I had a, a one bad moment, but like it felt but to it me like it, it was. It was easy. It was an easy drug. It wasn't a scary drug. No, I uh, you have bad uh, moments all the time, though. Yeah, I uh, did it once at thirty-two, and I did it the second time at sixty-four, and I guess the third time will be ninety-six. <laughs> so every thirty-two years, whether I need it or not, I do a good acid trip. And I watched the Super Bowl on acid. It was so cool because instead of the two points, there were like a hundred and fifty. And the ball was so colorful. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, go back for a pass. I feel like that's the only way to watch the Super Bowl. I don't think I'd get through it oh, if I didn't have fans. I love You're football, football I, and I'm a big sports fan. It's one of the things I miss the most. Yeah. I miss two things I miss sports, and I miss um, walking home from the club, and everyone knows me from my weed jokes on the internet. So they, every, like people stop me and say, hey, you want to smoke a joint? And on the way home at two in the morning, I'll stop a couple of times and smoke joints with people in the street. And I really miss that. I'll leave at two, I'll get home at 3.30 and it's a walk of like 15 minutes. So. Free weed also. Like, yeah, well, a lot of know. free weed and That's... good weed and I'll take anything. I'm so like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, oh, you want oil? Yeah, sure, I'll have oil. You want it from this way? Yeah, sure. You want it like in Clorox? Yeah, Trump says it's a good idea. I don't know. It's just weird. I'm yeah. But you Getting... started doing stand up in Hebrew. That's crazy. I, it took me a while because I didn't think it was even possible. And then Shahar Hassan, who's such a big star mm-hmm. and has actually virtually had no English, came to me and asked me to translate for him. Mm-hmm. And I watched him, and he got better and better. And I was like, wait a sec, if this guy can do it, I mean. I'm not saying he's an amazing stand-up, but yeah, I mean, but he has English no is, English. Yeah. If, if a Yemenite stage, can do English stand-up, then I can well, do Then Hebrew. I can do Hebrew because my Hebrew is actually good because I went to university here for a bit because uh-huh. uh, I went to Hebrew school. And so my Hebrew is actually pretty good. But um, yeah, no, it was hard. Phenomenon. Like when I started, I was like, um, um, um. And then I learned in Hebrew that you say M, M, M. Right. And so I upgraded my ums, and it was slow going, and I still make a lot of mistakes, and it does help me sometimes, because I don't have the respect in the rules that you do. I love Hebrew, but if I have to pick, um, I like the masculine form better than the feminine form, so I often will refer to myself in the masculine form, not because I'm transgender, but because I just, (laughs) I'm tougher. You know, I'm not tough for a girl. I'm fucking tough. You know, uh-huh. I'm I'm tougher than all the guys. So why should I be referred to as a girl? <laughs> like in everything, you know, you're this. They have, uh, yeah. So that's how I feel. So wait, so what's the what's the comedy scene like in Israel? I mean, it must have been hard to like come it here. It was. <clears throat> I mean, my husband, I would have never have come back to Israel because I was so happy. I lived in L.A., walking distance from the improv, the Laugh Factory, and the Comedy Store, working in all three of them, wow. working on the road in Vegas four times a year. I mean, I had a perfect life. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, how, why? Like, it sounds like you did some incredible, incredible yeah, work. Totally. Across, and like, why would you? Why did you make Aliyah? Because know? my husband is British, and I didn't know. I got married. I went on the road for four months, and then I came back, and I realized the guy aged like three years, and I'm like, what the hell? It turns out he hates America, and <laughs> most Americans, like, not all of them, obviously, he had really good friends, but it drove him crazy. The government and. I said, I'm not prepared to live with an unhappy man mm -hmm. because it's never going to get better. America's always going to be full of Americans. <laughs> I love Americans, but if you don't I like mean, them... Kind of a built, it a built changes in. with time, though. <laughs> no, 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 it, it doesn't. comes with it. There's always going to be more Americans than anything else in America. And I said, if you're not happy, make a change. I mean, uh, it's on you. I'm not prepared to live with you unhappy. So decide what the fuck you want and let's go. Just pick somewhere that's... Uh, Interesting and warm. And you so, can die every day from a terror attack. Sounds like well, interesting to me. You know, that's interesting. Isn't it? <laughs> wow, that's crazy. And so yeah. he picked Israel? He picked Israel because, and I said, but you haven't been there since you're 18. What's wrong with you? How do you know you'll like it? He goes, well, you like it. I'm like, yeah, but then we have that problem again. I like it everywhere I am. I'm a happy person. <laughs> <laughs> so you're British. You know, everything is always a <laughs> negative with the Brits. Yeah. Well, how is it? It's not terrible. How, I got a standing ovation. He talks to his mother. How was her show? Oh, it wasn't too bad. I'm like, it wasn't too bad. I got a standing ovation. <laughs> <laughs> well, what should I say? Say it was marvelous, fantastic. Use an adjective. I don't know what you do. <laughs> Wait, so, okay. So tell us kind of what's the highlight of your career? What was like the one show you'll never um, forget? So I guess I have to say the first outdoor show I did in Montreal at the Montreal Comedy Festival just for laughs. It was in French. Um, there were like 10 or 12,000 people at a confluence like of a square with all these streets as far, and the stage was high, so you could see as far as the eye could see through your whole downtown that you went up and with people standing. And Quebecers, you can say what you want about them, they were so polite that they were standing there watching the show as if they were seated in a soft seat theater, just quiet, listening. The, the word heckle doesn't even exist in French. And I, this guy, like my idol in French was the host. And I was like, oh, I'm so nervous. And he's like, just be your same silly self. They're going to love you. Don't try and be anything but who you are. And I went out and I did my first joke. And the laughter... It, when there's a million people, like 10,000, could it be a million to me, because comics exaggerate, the laughter goes out, and it goes, and it goes, and it goes, <laughs> like it goes to the other seat, and then it starts to come back, and you have to just wait from this person who didn't know how to wait. You wait, and then again, and again, and I couldn't, you know, I was in shock, and then 10,000 people see me, and I was a relatively young comic at the time. And then I came off stage to like astounding applause and somebody right away said, oh, you came from America, you don't have this, and gave me a joint. Outside, which in L.A. at that point wasn't happening and nowhere was happening, and I was like, oh, I love Montreal, what a great city. So I took a couple of talks really quickly like you do when you're sharing before the kids started bogarting, and then I gave it back to him and he goes, oh, no, you deserve that, you take it. I was like, the guy just gave me a joint. I couldn't believe it. So <laughs> that, I have to say, I mean, yeah, my first trip to Vegas was great. And, um, you know, my first five, like some shows that I've done here, mm -hmm. 
um, getting through it, Israel Got Talent. I was on the first year of Israel Got Talent. And oh, really? I had to play to 13-year-olds, and boy, did that make me nervous. They said, you know, we're cutting off your arms and your legs, now go, you know? I'm like, why should I be on Got Talent? It's always an 11-year-old in one leg who wins, you know? <laughs> What am I doing Well, you can here? always amputate. So, yeah, not for that. Not for, you know, I, I lost an eye, that's enough, so. Did you? Yeah, I did. I lost an eye. Just before I was doing my first comedy special, talking about pain, you know. I, I had this, I had um, what I thought was like, my eye was hurting, so I went to the doctor, and he said, oh, you have an infection, take some drops. But I could barely get through my sets. I was driving through Western, Canada, uh, Western U.S., and I just was in so much pain, and I went to another doctor, and he said, oh, you have an infection, take some drops. But I felt like I had a brain tumor. Then I called my manager and he said, park your car, go to your parents' house, go to a doctor. So I went to my father's eye doctor. He looked in my eye and he said, oh, you have a huge tumor there. It has to come out. <laughs> the other guys couldn't find it. And he just looked. He didn't even x-ray. And I'm like, it has to come out? And uh, he said, yeah. I'm like, oh, my. And did I get a fake one? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, oh, damn. And my mother goes, is it a good surgeon? And the guy says, he's the best, but he's also the worst. He's the only one that does it here. <laughs> that was what he said. And I said, oh, so I guess I don't have to deal with the cataract. And he started yelling at me, you're not supposed to be funny now. This isn't a time. And I'm like, that's how I do it, okay? Jews made jokes in the Holocaust. That's what we do. Did you ever consider wearing an eye patch? Because that could have uh -huh. been like your thing. Yeah, I'll tell you something. When the eye came out, they gave me an eye patch. I couldn't put it on for a second. I felt like I needed air. Mm. And I so, so I just walked around with my eye closed for six weeks till I got the fake one. And nobody even asked me why was my eye closed. <laughs> no one? Not no even one, one, not time. even my skin doctor who I met at the restaurant who was talking to me for 20 minutes. <laughs> And you could, and I was like, well, wow. He's a skin doctor, people, not an eye doctor. It, but it was really a great lesson that people aren't really interested in you. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, that you, you know, you're so worried about things. And, you know, I look this way or I am this way. It's people like, don't no, care. just people don't care. They're so yeah. self involved. So I got the eye, and then I was having this special, and I actually have this piece of coral implanted in my eye. I was live, and they put all the nerves in it so the eye would move. Right, because it, you can't tell. Right. So then I, I, after three months when it's dry, they actually drill a hole in the coral and attach the eye, and it moves. So when I was time to do it, he didn't have time for me, the guy, the doctor. He said, oh, I can give it to you in four months. I, so I wrote him, I have a TV special. And you said it isn't complicated. So if you can't do it, is it okay if I go to a carpenter? Can you recommend a good one? And he called me like three seconds later. He had no sense of humor. You can't go to a carpenter. I'm like, I know. I needed your attention. I'm pretty sure you'll take me. I have a TV special. I need my eye to move. The so. only carpenter would, that could help you is Jesus, maybe. Yeah, I bet he not. wasn't very good. He had primitive tools. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. And his hair was always in his face. And, so what's, yeah. what's the funniest thing to things about living here? Living in Israel, um, you know, right now I love that people are actually listening. Are um, listening or yeah, are? Yeah, they are. Here in Come Tel Aviv, on, in Florentine? they are listening. They're, they're mostly listening. We have some new cases. They're mostly yeah. listening. Come on, Israelis don't listen to anything. And now they're mostly listening. I think that's funny. Um, what do I think is funny here? Just on a daily basis, I find things funny. Like if you 
if you say I'm Canadian, so a word I use a lot is sorry. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I bang into someone and I say I'm sorry, and he yells at me, "Why are you saying sorry? I banged into you." And I'm like, "Oh, sorry." And he's like, "Don't <laughs> say sorry. I don't want to feel bad. You want me to feel bad? I don't want to feel bad." I'm like, "Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry." <laughs> now I'm just saying it to piss you off. <laughs> but um, I love how when you call the doctor here or whatever, and they answer, they just so concerned, you know. Even like the secretary, oh, I hope you're very fine. Like everybody treats you like you're their mother. You know, you're in the danger zone. Yeah, I know. I'm old. That's oh, now, now with the disease. Yeah. But even before, I don't know. I can't hardly even remember what it was like. Before. Yeah. It's not so crazy. long ago. Like, I can't remember. Like, you're watching TV and someone hugs and you're like, what are you doing? Oh, yeah, it's okay. You know, filmed <laughs> yeah. in 2018, you were allowed to hug then. But I think your, your new system is even better than hugging. Oh, my little uh, ass, whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the ass tap. The bump. You remember the, the tap, bump? That's what it was. Much worse. <laughs> yeah. Ass tap. Uh, yeah. Can't call it an ass tap. Uh, no. I keep saying ass tap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I make up words too. Like I'm a slutlan, which means a pothead for anyone who doesn't speak Hebrew. And I'm a slut. So I made up the word slutlan. Slutlan. <laughs> that's one of my words. You know, I'm a slutlan. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What, isn't that funny? That I can't, what's funny here now, though, is that they gave us a rule that we couldn't um, go more than 100 meters, which is 100 yards from your house. And so you could be like a bad guy, you know, um, for going 150 meters. And, you know, they can put you in jail. And the guy in your cell <laughs> says, what are you in for? And you go, walking. <laughs> I walked 30 meters more than I was supposed to. And now well, mask, you're is danger. mask is also obligatory. And, you know, it's kind of nice because so many people don't brush their teeth. <laughs> what, what's a pity is that people are cleaner than they ever were and they can't get near anyone. You know, everyone's washing and washing and washing. And finally, the guy in the next cubicle wouldn't stink, but they put him at home. <laughs> so it's not fair. You know, yeah. that's one of the ironies. Everybody's super hygienic now. Yeah, my, my uh, fiance keeps carrying uh, alcohol gel everywhere right and forcing me to put it on every time i touch anything yeah it's, i hate uh, how it makes unnerving. you feel on your hands isn't it and i think yeah. we need some antibodies i don't know yeah i mean nobody really knows i knew we were in trouble when uh they said okay wash your hands and stay home you're like what we're in 2020 and that's the best you got for us <laughs> Stay home and wash your hands. We're fucked. Like the, <laughs> I mean, the top ed- epidemiologist. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's all you got. Seven years degree. Are you kidding? And then, you know, and then they decided they'd close the shuk. And because I live next to shuk of Carmel, the Carmel Market, I went in and I said, Mark, my husband, let's go get some our last ride. And so he's in the store buying plastic containers for chicken soup. And the police are coming and start yelling, Mark, Mark. And he comes, I'm counting. I'm like, don't count, pay, they're going to arrest you. It's uh, like uh, the ghetto, scenes from the ghetto. Yeah, but, you know, like my mother said, look, dear, it's not targeted. (laughs) It's random. (laughs) And it's not only against the Jews. Everyone, what I like about it is that it hit everyone. Rich, poor, wherever you are, it's not targeted. It uh, is still kind of targeted at the Jews, though. I mean... Right? Wow, no, I'm just saying here, here it's just the Jews, meaning oh, it's all the Jews in the lockdown. Oh, and so they it's are. It's kind of like, you know. Well, I I'm don't know. My friend you... Mohammed Nama, a very funny Arab comedian, his yeah. grandfather died um, in Bidu just now, today. Mm-hmm. 
and he's from an Arab village that has tons of it. No, no, no so, I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm just oh, yeah. I'm no, that's not the, funny, man. The Holocaust it's not funny, comparison, man. you know. No, it's not funny. <laughs> the Holocaust comparison. My favorite thing that a comedian said to me once in, in Canada. In Canada, when you go to, you drive a lot, so you're in the car with three other comics, and they were dissing on all the chick comics, and I said, you know, what about me? And they said, oh, you're not a chick comic. You're just a dickless one. And I was like, yeah, that's a compliment. And Kenny goes, you know, if you were in the Holocaust, you'd be nobody's bar of soap. And I was like, thank you. I think that's a really nice compliment. Yeah, the nicest Isn't thing it? anyone has ever said Ever, to ever. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So you're doing Zoom shows now. I'm doing some Zoom shows. The comedy bar has started doing weekly shows. They let in 100 people on Zoom. Um, so what's your do big dream here? Listen, I only have one dream in comedy. It's always to write the funniest joke and to make the most people laugh. Mm -hmm. I've never had any dream to be big or have a TV show. Like, wh wherever it takes me, that's where I want to go. It's always to write the funniest jokes and to make the most people you laugh. You act? I do act, yeah. I've done, uh, but only when people call me. Uh -huh. I don't, I rarely go out to audition. It's right, like, right, yeah, right. you want me? Call me. I'll come, okay. I'll do it. I do act and I write and... Uh, I'll do anything. I'm basically like a comedy whore, or now I'm a, a Zoom slut, I like to call myself. I was a Zoom virgin two weeks ago, and now I'm a Zoom slut. I did a comedy festival called the Couch Potato Festival, an international festival on Zoom last week, and it was in 40 countries, and Israel had an hour, and so we did comedy. And uh, Nice. Oh, wow. We went out on Facebook Live, but it's amazing how I'm working all the time, but not for money. But I suspect in whatever, three, four, I'm going to get a crane if I have to and get people on their rooms and, you know, because I miss live. Yeah. But still, I've worked in small places. The day Sam Kinison died, I had to go and do a gig of an hour to four people. And then the second show again, four people. So I've played the small audience. I once got to a gig and the guy said, uh, there's nobody here, I'm not paying you. And I'm like, I'm here. <laughs> and yeah. he's like well how are you going to do the show and he said you want to do it to me I'm like if that's what I have to do to get my money I'll do the show to you <laughs> so he just stood there and then I did the show to him I talked an hour to the owner and also the cleaner who came from behind and watched for an hour and then said okay give me the money <laughs> it's just that's what we do he got so, what he paid for yeah yeah so uh, have you ever did you do any jokes at the funeral that you were at on zoom no i was muted uh, um and uh they knew who they, uh, they're, they're dealing yeah. with no actually i didn't know any of her she only got married six years ago and uh it was funny because my brother said like the guy had no personality and then out of everyone, we couldn't hear a word he said, so I was just laughing. I was like, yeah, I guess he doesn't have a personality or a voice. <laughs> but there were ducks at the funeral, and because um, she was buried, like it looked like a beautiful place, a lake, and with she trees. Was young? She was no, not young. She was, uh, but not yet old, sixty-seven. Oh, okay, because they'd only been married, you said six years. Six years, years yeah, because oh, okay. she was single all the time. Was it a corona? No, she died yeah. of cancer, pancreas oh, okay. cancer. Which People still die of that now? And still dying of pancreatic cancer That's quickly, just... quickly, unfortunately. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, very quickly. I thought quickly. that was like, like last year, you know, pancreatic cancer. Um, maybe they're reporting it as COVID because it looks better <laughs> yeah. in the stats. But no, there unfortunately is no last year. But anyway, there were ducks there, and the ducks were quacking and quacking. And all I could think of was... She's not going to get a good night's sleep ever. <laughs> this is so ridiculous to get buried. And at some point, the guys came and chased her away. 
the ducks, and then they came back. Like employees were trying to chase away the ducks in the middle of the funeral, and the camera was there. It was she was cremated, but buried. Have you ever seen that before? Wow. I mean, so at a Jewish funeral with cremation that they put in the ground, so it's a small square instead of a big square because it doesn't hold a coffin. I mean, with how grave costs nowadays. Maybe it's not a bad uh, yeah, so, option. So instead of having a shovel for the earth, they right. asked them to do it with their hands. Oh, no. So the husband goes like this, and then he goes like this, and then he goes... No. Because <laughs> if he's tried to take it off, like, goodbye, honey, oh, goodbye, no. get in there. You're gone. Really? They just stick their hands in without a glove or Not anything? inside. It was on top. Like, okay, here's the grave. There's the grave. And he, he had to get to No, but earth. in the ash. So, no, oh, in the okay. earth. No, no, the, the urn went in. Very oh, okay. Cool uh, I thought you meant they, they oh, grabbed yeah, some yeah, ash yeah. and just... No, it's funny. He just reminded finished. me that my husband's first wife was cremated. <laughs> Um, we were going to New York. <laughs> no, but we were yeah, yeah we your... were going to New York and I'm sure he you're was going to scatter her ashes. <laughs> yeah, I killed her. So. <laughs> um, I was an accessory, but uh, she uh, now she he, he we were leaving and he was packing and he and I said you know honey and he said did I you think I forgot something and I said yeah I think you forgot to pack Loretta. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, and I've never had to say that to anyone. Like, boom, he took Loretta, we put her on Fifth Avenue. She's happy till now, where the Charles Atlas statue is. You know that statue of the good-looking no. guy holding up a building where NBC is? Anyway, okay. if you're a woman, it's a good statue. You know, If you're ever there, you can be sure that in the air is floating Loretta. Yeah, who knows? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Candy, if if like people in the states want you for a Zoom show, how can they? Can you do? You would do that, right? Yeah, I do Zoom. Yeah. Um, so people can contact you. Yeah, and either. I mean, the easy way on, on Facebook. I have a manager, and my number. You can either write me on my page, Candy Abelson, which is in Hebrew and English. Candy with a K and a Y. K, K and an I. K and I. A N D I. K and an I. A B E L S O N, and um, yeah, and my my office number if it's local, is there. Okay. But, uh, if it's in English, usually I talk to them for you because their English is not very good. Right. Which is great to work in a club where they don't let me even talk English in the green room. Israelis don't have amazing English, right? No, some do. Like when I worked Some. at the stand-up factory, the audience really spoke English because they watched English comedy. Yeah. The audience, you know, they had. They knew all the American comics, and but when I was at the Camel, no, and now at the Comedy Bar, everybody comes from all over the country, and most people don't speak such good English. I mean, there's a percentage, I don't know what the percentage is, a high percentage speak excellent English, mm -hmm. sometimes better than me in terms of, because I stopped speaking English. I came here at 16, and then I lived in Europe and spoke French, and I did stand-up in French and English and Hebrew, so I don't... You know, I don't read on a high level or whatever. Mm. I mean, for an intelligent person, I can be pretty dumb. Let's just say that. <laughs> and I'm grateful because mm. there's nothing that, when I write a stupid joke, I'm so happy. Did I give enough tips to starting yeah, comics? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The only thing is the, the perfect joke, finding it. Yeah. I mean, I think I have some pretty good ones. Like I have one about... Uh, I don't know if it's a perfect joke, but it's, it's, I have a joke about my husband's kids. And when I wrote it, I was actually really pissed because I thought the joke was so good that I had nothing to add to it. So I still have only one joke about his kids. And 
you know, I don't have any kids. I have a couple of stepkids, and I got to say, these kids are so fucked up. I could not have done a better job if I raised them myself. <laughs> I am so proud. I'm so, you know, that kind of joke. Well, maybe it's not a perfect joke, but it's such a good joke that it, like, where are you going to go? You know, am I going to illustrate it? What's the point? You got it. Yeah. You know, you actually got it. So we can yeah. move on. Until you find a better one. Then yeah. That's the perfect I one. I mean, uh, it's a good quest. Amazing. Okay. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. It was a you. pleasure. Before we go, yes. we collaborate with the Jewish Journal in Los Angeles. They're at jewishjournal.com. They have problems, yeah, podcasts, um, everything. So yeah, check, check them out. out. Jewishjournal.com. And we also And if they want me to write anything. Yeah. Check me out. <laughs> Absolutely. Both well, ways, Jewish Journal. You can check me out. I'll check come you on, out. I do, I do follow because a lot of my friends uh, do stuff there. Okay, yeah. cool. Awesome. Cool. So we also collaborate with uh, Israel National News, israelnationalnews.com. They also have great cool. podcasts. And, no, Israel no podcasts. National Sorry, great. News, the number is, uh, what's it called? Arut Sheva. Arut Sheva, okay. So uh, check them out on Facebook and israelnationalnews.com. And with, um, yeah. Arut yeah. Sheva means Channel 7, folks. Yes. Yeah. And uh, we accept donations. So please help us out. Go to twinjb.com slash donate and give us Some everything. Schmeichels. Some coffee money because you know what? These guys are two nice Jewish boys. Yeah. 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 It was a pleasure. Ethan is saving for his next acid trip. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then he doesn't need too much. (laughs) Each of you send people send 50 shekels each, and uh, in no time he'll be able to share with all the friends he can't (laughs) see. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Stay safe and healthy. All of us, bye. Yeah, draw smiles on your masks. (laughs) 